All right. Well, if you have a Bible, let's grab it and uh, open up to Mark chapter 4. So second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Mark chapter 4. And we just finished up our series in 2 Peter. We did first and 2 Peter back to back. And now we're going to spend the rest of the summer focusing on the parables of Jesus. We'll be focusing on the parables of Jesus. Okay? So today is the parable of the sower. Mark 1, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Now let me give you the uh, would you rather scenario. You've heard of the would you rather scenario? Like would you rather eat ice cream and pickles or meatloaf with chocolate syrup? Thank you, sir. One vote for chocolate syrup. Pregnant ladies are probably one both, right? (laughs) Interesting cravings, right? Um, Let me give you one that's a little more serious, okay? You have to pick. Let's just, just pretend you have to pick, okay? Would you rather lose your sight or your hearing? So, show of hands, who would rather pick uh, losing their sight? And who would pick losing their hearing? So, why, why want to lose your hearing? Why, why? You just want to see things? Somebody, give me an answer. We're all friends here. Relips, okay. That's fair. That's fair. For me, um, I'm going to go lose my uh, sight any day because I'm a musician. And there's a lot of blind pianists that can just tear it up, right? Ray Charles or whatever. Um, and I don't want to lose the ability to enjoy music that I've enjoyed my whole life. Um, man, I'd much rather lose my sight. Hearing is vitally important to the, to the human experience, is it not? Like our hearts grieve for those who have suffered an accident or a disease when their hearing is taken away. We have some close friends that were just talking about their granddaughter who has uh, some type of a disease, a neurological disease, where it's probably just a matter of time and she's going to be deaf. And your hearts just grieve for this family because of the pain and the challenge that that will bring about. Because our world is structured such that hearing is a blessing, right? If you can hear, our world is structured for you to thrive in, in our world's environment, right? Well, it's very similar in Jesus' world. The biblical term would be kingdom. Jesus' kingdom. In Jesus' kingdom, hearing is a really big deal as well. In Jesus' kingdom, hearing is a really big deal deal. I've been reading my Bible lately, and I feel like one of the things that's been jumping off the page for me personally is the importance of hearing, the importance of listening. In some ways, I think you could boil down following God, being a disciple of Jesus, to one word, hearing, or to listening. Think about it. It's so obvious that we miss it, but like in the Old Testament, God spoke the world into existence. Our God is a speaking God. And he, in the Old Testament, he raised up those that sometimes were called prophets. Sometimes they were just leaders. But what do they do? In the Old Testament, over and over again, they speak for God. And prophets say, thus saith, right? 
He's speaking, and he's speaking through me. I'm a prophet. Thus saith the Lord. Implication, you should be listening. Right? And Jesus comes, and what does he do? He does a lot of things, but it was never less than what he had to say. And what did people say about Jesus? Who they didn't know who he was, and they're like, isn't he just a carpenter's son? But, but he talks, and all of a sudden, it's like this authority of his words descend on us. And what do they say? They say, no one spoke like this man. There's something unique about the way this guy speaks. I don't know what's up with this Jesus guy, because I thought he was just a carpenter's son. But when he talks, I'm drawn to listen. Our God is a speaking God. Words are important. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of words. And, and what do we have now? Right now we have the word. We don't have Jesus in the flesh, but we have his word. We have God's word. So when you read, that's a form of hearing. That's a form of listening. Christianity is all about hearing and listening. And this morning we're going to see that just kind of drilled into our brains through Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20. Here's the main point. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of his word. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of his word. How will you hear and respond to his word? Let me say that again. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of his word. So how will you hear and respond to his word? Let's dive in and check this out. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen. So again, there we go. Are you listening? Are you hearing? He's calling you to listen. Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who hear, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. 
Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are, those, uh, others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, and 60-fold, and 100-fold. This is God's Word. So today we're going to look closely at verses 14 through 20, okay? Now what's oftentimes the case when, in Jesus' parables is he doesn't give kind of a verse-by-verse, just straight-up explanation of what the parable means, okay? Parables are intended for people to hear, and to be provoked, to ponder, to wonder, to mull it over, okay? Parables, in a sense, have a, a, a weeding out function. Either you're going to hear it. That's why it says in verse 9, look at verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the, 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 what's provoking is, do you have ears to hear? You're wondering, do I or do I not? Am I really listening or does Jesus sound kind of crazy? Like, which is it? So these parables are meant to kind of suss out those who want to follow Jesus and those who don't. That's how they function. And what's great about today's parable is that Jesus just tells us straight up, this is what it's about. We oftentimes don't have that. And if Jesus says that this is what it's about, well, then that's what we're going to focus on, okay? Now, there's some other things here in this, in this text that, that we don't um, have time to really go over, especially verses 10, 11, and 12. And this is a hard stuff. It's a tough Old Testament quotation. It kind of sounds pretty hard, and in a sense it is. Um, I'm going to put some information on Slack because we just don't have time to go into that. That's maybe a whole other sermon. Uh, could be dedicated to 10, 11, and 12. And as a pastor, you just have to make choices about text. So look for that on Slack, okay? But today we're going to focus on 14 through 20, okay? So let's dive in here. What is this parable all about? Well, Jesus tells us. Verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Okay? So right off the the bat, we see what? This is all about the word. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of word. Okay? He, he, he sows the word. The Bible says here that, that, that Jesus doesn't come and, and sow good deeds, although he did a lot of those. He doesn't come and sow miracles, though he did a lot of those. He's sowing the word. The word is primary here. Okay? And now we get to see four different types of responses to Jesus' sowing of the word, casting out of the word. Where's it going to land? What's going to happen? Okay? Four different responses. Let's look at this first group. What happens to them? Well, it says here, verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, so they're hearing. They're not deaf. They hear Jesus, okay? That's good. But Satan immediately comes along, and what happens? He takes away the word that is sown in them. That's kind of scary, right? We don't have information about when that happens or how it happens or why it happens, but just that it does happen. Jesus says this is just how it works. This is what happens sometimes. 
People hear the word, and then Satan comes in, removes it. The Bible says that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, that's serious imagery. A lion is intimidating. You've been to the zoo, been up close to that glass and seen the lion, got a head like this big, right? Our friends Tim and Jackie just got back from Tanzania and did a big safari, and they're in a, a big SUV, and they can sit on the top, and the lion's sitting right there, and this lion was kind of grumpy, and he gives out a big roar, and these guys, I mean, it's intimidating. They got pictures, right? This imagery of Satan as a lion is not an accident. He's not a little house cat. He's not a little glorified rodent dog that, that nips at your ankles and barks all the time, Right? He's a lion. But we have to take it seriously, but we should never be paralyzed by fear. And here's why. Some of you are wondering, am, am I a first, kind of, first soil kind of person? Well, you don't have to be paralyzed by fear. And here's why. 1 John, the book of 1 John in the New Testament has a powerful statement about Jesus and what he's all about. It says, Jesus came, the Son of God came to do what? To destroy the works of the devil. So, yes, the devil is a roaring lion, 1 Peter, looking for someone to devour, but there's someone greater than that lion. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? And he came to destroy the works of the devil. So the question is, you don't have to worry about this seed-stealing work of this, this roaring lion if you're with Jesus. Because what has Jesus done? He's come to destroy that work of seed-stealing that Satan does. So the question is, if you're with Jesus, are you with Jesus? If you're with Jesus, you've got nothing to fear. You've got nothing to fear. Abide in Jesus, rest in Jesus, trust in Jesus, treasure Jesus above all, believe in Jesus, cling to Jesus, listen to Jesus, run to Jesus, worship Jesus. And if this is your desire, then this first soil doesn't apply to you. This Satan taking away your seed is not a threat if you're with Jesus. But Jesus says it does happen. It's just a fact. We don't know why or how or when. We don't know all the conditions. He just tells us this is what happens sometimes. So this parable is meant, again, to cause us to reflect. What kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I in? It provokes us. It causes us to ponder. causes us to mull some things over. All right? Let's keep moving. Other kinds of soil. Verse 16, the second type. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, again, we got hearing, it's going into the ear, but what happens then? Immediately, they receive it with joy. Well, that's good. But here's the problem, and they have no roots in themselves. But endure for a while, then, here's the problem, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, what happens? They immediately fall away. So isn't it fascinating? There's some that hear, and they hear with joy. Like there's an initial response that looks great. Looks great, sounds great. Man, that's, that's good that you're receiving with joy. But how you start isn't always what's most important. 
It's never less than how you start, but it's always a lot more. What's more important than starting? Finishing. Right? Starting's great, but starting's not the whole picture. One of my best friends uh, lives next door. His name is Brad. And Brad is a workout instructor. He is a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, a lot of experience with helping people um, understand physical fitness. And he has a lot of experience working at gyms and having people come to him and have him help them get in shape. And he always remarks that at the beginning of January, you see a massive increase in gym membership, right? Why is that? New Year's resolutions, right? This is the year. I'm going to do it. I'm going to shed those 10 pounds. I'm going to eat right, right? I'm going to get in shape. And people start with big goals and they, with big joy. Let's set that alarm for 5 a.m. Let's get after it, right? This is the, this is the time. I'm going to do it this year, right? But then Brad tells me that right around mid-February, early March, Things start to dwindle off a little bit. That 5 a.m. alarm, it's a lot more annoying, you know, on week 7 and week 8. And in February, it just feels good to sleep in because it's cold and it's dark. Who wants to get up at 5.30? That's horrible, right? So steady dip in in attendance. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard. It's not comfortable. Losing weight, getting in shape. Training for a marathon, training for a couch to 5K, it's not easy. Anybody who's done these things knows, right? Adjusting your body's default settings does not come easy. It's challenging, okay? There's a cost involved. Who wants to eat broccoli and chicken breast every night and with a little kale for dessert, right? That's horrible. Who wants to eat like that? That's disgusting, Amen. Preach it. But here's the deal. If you, want, if you truly want to alter the default settings of your body, it demands a certain willingness to be uncomfortable and a willingness to be uncomfortable over a long period of time, right? And Jesus is saying that it's very similar in his kingdom, in his kingdom where he rules by his word. See, many people hear and they start strong. But then after a bit of time, when the word of Jesus that that they say they believe starts to cost something, when things start to get tough, what happens? Look at what it says. Look at what it says. It says, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Maybe it's when all the guys at work are heading to the strip club for happy hour, and you say, I'm not going. And they look at you like, what's your deal? Or maybe it's when you share your faith over the fence in the neighborhood and your neighbor looks at you like you got three heads and then every time you're out in the, in the, in the yard, they just kind of go inside. Or maybe it's when you sign up for the mission trip and the mission trip isn't super comfortable and it's like, man, I didn't know I was going to be this uncomfortable. Or maybe it's when you read in the word 
that you're called to pursue repentance and forgiveness and you're entrenched deep in that conflict with your spouse and it's been about three or four days or maybe three or four years and the amount of death to self that it takes to pursue repentance and forgiveness just feels really, really hard and I'm just not willing to go there. Or maybe it's when you don't follow the culture when it comes to the culture's sexual ethics and people think you're bigoted and backwards. Or maybe it's when You know you're called to be a servant to the marginalized people in Madison or beyond, and it's just really messy. Jesus is saying that there's some people who encounter these kind of scenarios, and many others like it, and they just say, you know what? Jesus sounded good at first, but I just don't think he's worth it. Not if this is what I signed up for. It's not worth the cost. I'm, I'm out. That's this second kind of soil. And maybe, again, you're wondering, if, you're, if you think like me, you're wondering, well, maybe this is me. Is this going to happen to me? Am I going to check out someday because it gets too hard? You craft catastrophic scenarios in your head, and you wonder, like, what would I do? Right? Have I been tested enough to know that I'm legit? Well, one thing I would say is I don't think it's that helpful to live in a world of hypotheticals, okay? But ask yourself this. Do I trust Jesus right now? Is Jesus worth it right now for what I'm facing today? Don't worry about tomorrow. What did Jesus say? Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. We're not going to live in a world of hypotheticals. But what about right now? Do you trust, trust Jesus right now? Is Jesus desirable right now? Now, Do you have ears that want to hear right now? That's the issue. So just stay with them. If the answer is yes, keep it up. In the next two seconds, in the next five minutes, and and just keep walking into the future, asking yourself, yeah, I think Jesus is desirable. I'm with him right now. And just live there. You can't live in the future. But do you want Jesus right now? That's the question. Let's look at this third soil, verse 18. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Let's keep the main point in view here. The main point here is Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of the word. So how will you hear and respond to his word? And we've seen all these different scenarios. The common theme is that all of them hear. Every single one of them is hearing. The word comes in to the ear. But it's not just hearing. It's how we respond over time that's the issue. Same here. Third soil. There's hearing. But the right response is challenged by something. You see it in the text? What's the challenge? Look at it. It's the care, verse 19, cares of the world, wealth, and just desire for other things. And what does it say? There's a powerful verb here. The verb is choking, to choke. It chokes out the word. There's no growth, no air. There's death. It's, it's choking. These things have a choking function on legitimate, true faith in Jesus. Now, have you, have you ever experienced choking? 
Thankfully, I have not, but I've been witness to these things. When I was in college, I waited tables, and I waited on a husband and wife and their friends, so a party of four, and um, I brought out some appetizers. They started eating the appetizers, and then I was taking their order. I'm taking their order. I'm speaking to the woman, and all of a sudden, I noticed that she's choking, and all of a sudden, that, that feeling of panic, you know, rises up of like, I'm, I don't know what to do here. This woman's choking. We need to do something. Like, what's happening? All this happens in a split second, but your mind is racing in this intense situation. And, and very calmly, her husband gets up, walks up behind her, wraps his arms around her, boom, boom, and she coughs. Out comes whatever it was. She sets it on her plate. And, yeah, it was kind of gross. And, her, but here's what's crazy. Her husband just calmly sits down, and they just start talking again like nothing's happened. And I'm like, what in the Am I the only one here that's like on the outside? Like, is this an everyday occurrence? Like, what is the deal? Like, I'm freaking out. Like, the whole adrenaline dump, you know? Like, I'm freaking out, and then I'm all buzzy and like twi- twitchy and jittery. And, and, and it's, I guess this is just what they do. Like, like I, I didn't ask, but maybe I should have. Um, I'm rattled the whole rest of my shift as a result of this. Choking's scary. And Jesus is saying there can be a spiritual choking that's just as scary, if not much more so. There's a kind of choking that will deaden your ears so you won't hear him. It it will cut off the, the Jesus airwave so you cannot have oxygen to your brain and you will spiritually die. This is heavy stuff, right? This is a dark picture. And it comes through this word desire. Look at the word desire in verse 19. I think desire is a good way to sum up these three different things that Jesus rattles off here in verse 19. Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things. Those other things might not be bad things in and of themselves. But when they come to the point where they are things that you worship which our hearts are prone to do very, very easily, that's when the choking happens. When good things become God things, when we start to worship things that were never intended to be objects of worship, that's when the choking happens. See, Jesus will have no rivals. He said straight up, you you can't have two masters. You were built from day one in creation to be a worshiper, The question is not if you will worship. The question is what or whom will you worship? And Jesus says you can't worship two things. You can't have two different masters. You'll either worship me or something else. And and when Jesus said that, the the, the thing in view was money. We'll We'll talk about that in a second. But this desire issue, right? Some are gonna hear Jesus. Like it's clear that this person is hearing this third soil. They're hearing, but also they're hearing a lot of other things. They're hearing maybe the workplace and all the demands of the workplace. They're hearing parenting and all the demands of parenting. They're hearing the retirement fund, and I better have that retirement fund together because if I want to be comfortable in the future, they're hearing that, and they're hearing the desire for the perfect body or the desire for the perfect spouse or the desire for the perfect kids or the desire for 45 soccer games every weekend for their kids or whatever. And those desires come in, and they say, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I got something to say. Are you listening? You walk through the mall, 
And the, the mall's not saying things audibly to you, but every single store is saying, buy me, buy me. I got something to say. Are you listening? If you just listen to what I've got to say, you'll be happy. You turn on the TV, all the advertisers know all the Jedi mind tricks to get you to buy things, right? And they might not say it audibly. Oftentimes they do say it audibly, but oftentimes it's not. It's just implied. If you get me, if you buy me, then you'll be happy. Constantly bombarded with voices. We're hearing things constantly. And Jesus is saying, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Whose uh, who's, uh, voice trumps all the others? Whose voice reigns supreme? Whose voice quiets all the others? Who and what are you listening to? I love how he mentions the, the deceitfulness of wealth. I think especially in our culture, that's one of the big things that can choke you out from actually being spiritually alive. The deceitfulness of wealth. The, another way to say it would be the lie of money. See, money talks and money lies. But it's deceptive. It's subtle. It's not just like fully disclosed. Here's my agenda and here's what I want to do to you. No, it's subtle. That's why it says deceptive, deceitful. It doesn't come out and say, here I am to choke you out spiritually. It says this. You know that feeling when you spend money it just kind of feels good, feel powerful. Yeah, keep that up. You know that adre- adrenaline rush you get when you see that paycheck? Yeah, yeah, keep chasing that adrenaline. It feels good, doesn't it? You know that security you feel when you get that pay raise? Yeah, you should feel secure because, duh, money makes the world go round. You know that feeling of if you if I just had a little bit more, then I would be happy. Yeah, that's true. Just get that little more, and, and you will be happy. That, these are the lies. This is the deception. This is the deceit of wealth. It's all lies, but it's so subtle that that's what makes it dangerous. Jesus said it straight up. You can't worship me and worship money. And money's not bad in and of itself, but our perverted hearts take money and we want to bow down and worship it. That's what we do. So what's going on in our hearts? Have we bought the lie that money is going to satisfy more than Jesus? This is a third soil scenario. It's very, very real. If it wasn't real, Jesus wouldn't have said it. Jesus is warning us that all of these desires, and money can be a primary one, can choke us out and kill us spiritually. Let's look at this last soil. Verse 20. The fourth soil. But those that were sown on the good soil are those that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and 60-fold, and 100-fold. So we've seen a consistent theme in every soil, have we not? What's the repeated word? They hear. Everyone's hearing, but it's not just about hearing. It's how do we respond? 
And according to verse 20, look at it. What does it say? It's hearing plus accepting that results in something. What does it result in? Bearing fruit. See it there? Now, if you're new to the Bible, some of you in this room may never read the Bible before. That's great. We're glad you're here. What, what does bearing fruit mean? Bearing fruit means a lot of things. You could sum it up in a lot of different ways. But one way to sum it up would be this. Having a life that glorifies God. Having a life that exhibits the fact that you want to make him look good. You want him to have the attention. You want to live your life in such a way that it looks like you love him more than you love self. The opposite would be a life, a life that doesn't bear any fruit biblically is a life that's all about me. It's just all about me. I'm going to do whatever I can to magnify me. I want me to be the center of the universe. And a life that bears fruit is that which God is the center of your, your universe, and your life looks like that. Okay? So, here's the question. What does your life look like? Do you see fruit in your life? Do you see any evidence that you are today, you're, uh, you're today not what you once were? And again, I say it all the time, but we got to drill it into our heads. It's not perfection, it's direction. So what direction are you headed? What direction do your desires head? Right? See, the issue is not sinlessness. The issue is desire. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want Jesus? Do you want to follow him? Do you want to abide in him? Do you want to trust him? Do you want to see him as Lord of all? Do you want to hear him with clarity, with ears to hear? If the answer is yes, then I can guarantee that you're going to be a fourth soil type person. There will be fruit bore in your life. Why would I say that? Because it's just a straight up Biblical promise. John 15, 5. Look at what it says. This is why our church is called the vine. I am the vine and you are the branches. So here we have a condition now. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So see the connection? Those who abide, there's a connection between abiding and fruit bearing. There's a connection between being with Jesus, loving Jesus, knowing Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, listening to Jesus. That's just other ways of saying abide. Whoever's with Jesus and loves him, desires him, what happens? They bear fruit. It's just a one-to-one connection. It's just a factual relationship. This is, lo- this is Jesus' logic. If, then. If you abide, then you bear fruit. See it? Why? Because... For, apart from me, you can do nothing. So no abiding, no fruit. Abide with Jesus, fourth soil type of fruit is going to come out of your life, right? Now, some of you might hear this and wonder, well, man, if you think like me, I think this way and it's not good. When have I bore enough fruit? Like I got something to prove and I want to make sure that I, that I have it all together and blah, 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 blah. Always anxious about enough. Is enough enough? And when is enough enough? And that's not the issue. Look at what it says in verse 20. The point is not the amount. The point is the presence. Is there any fruit on the tree? 
Jesus seems to think, Jesus seems to think that their different amounts are perfectly okay. Some 30, some 60, some 100, right? It's not the amount, but the presence. So what? So keep abiding. Keep listening with ears that really do hear. Look at what he said in verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The invitation is there. Come and get it. If you're willing to listen, I'm willing to talk. If you're willing to listen, I'm willing to abide. And if you abide, you're going to bear fruit and be forth soil. So keep listening to ears that really hear. And maybe you're like, I don't know if I have ears to hear. You could just pray this simple prayer. Lord, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? Lord, I think I know, but would you help me understand? Stay with Jesus. Walk with Jesus in his word. So, soak in his word. Listen to his word. Listen with all ears, and what will happen? You will be a fruit bearer. You will be fourth soil type person. And here's the deal. God is in charge of the fruit. We're just in charge of the conditions, right? My wife plants a garden. If she goes out and, like, yells at the plants, grow, produce, like, does that work? No. You get some funny looks from the neighbors, right? But we just set up the right conditions in the garden, and, and that's what John 15, 5 has given us. Just abide in me. Just abide in me. Just be with me. Desire me. Cling to me. And he will take care of the fruit. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of the word. So how will you hear and respond to his word? Let's pray.